stay hydrated, but more importantly, stay caffeinated. Yeah, it's uh, I've had some. I definitely. I feel like the summer has made me a bit weaker in that regard. And it's like, the hot summer. It's like I don't. I haven't mastered how to make cold coffee at home. Yes, I know I could learn. I don't need people to write in or email me or be like, "Oh, really? It's easy." Like, no, <laughs> just, that's what finally gets a bunch of people to write in. Yeah, just, it's me saying, just "I don't know how you. to make cold coffee." Yeah, yeah. go ahead. I don't care. Uh, that's what's going to get the email. That's what's going to get it. The emails in. Yeah, I think so. Um, but yeah, in the summer, I'm helpless against the powers of an like an iced espresso drink of some kind. It's Delicious. Just, Delicious. I love a good lemonade, but um, yeah. I don't know. I feel like I had a dentist scare me about lemonade being so acidic that it's like, just lay off the lemonade. You know, it's kind of how they put it. You know? he, g- he gave you a hard time about lemonade? Well, not about lemonade, but just it didn't give me a hard time. It was more like this general lookout for uh-huh. things like, well, obviously soda, but yeah. No, it's the lemonade you but should he, be worried about. But he about. was saying, you know, don't, there's a lot of acid in that. Like, yeah, the, the, the kids in the lemonade stand, you just give them the side eye. Yeah. And keep just walking. Walk on by. That's right. Hey, Victoria. Mm. You caught me mid-sip. Yeah. Hey, Chelsea. <laughs> you know what you could use right now? What could you use? A Breath of Fresh movie. Ooh, me too. Awesome. All right. Breath of Fresh movie, a weekly podcast where me, Victoria Harley, and me, Chelsea Pope, we watch a movie neither one of us has ever seen before, and then we talk about it, and we may not talk about everything, but we will talk about spoilers ahoy. Anything. Ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding. Yeah. Today's movie is a 1988 romantic comedy working girl directed by Mike Nichols and written by Kevin Wade. Mm -hmm. It's a good one. Yeah. I I enjoyed. Yeah, no, it's a fun, it's a fun watch. I get why people were into it. It's a different time than you know a rom com getting as much love love as it as it did in in 1988. I feel like now people are starting like this would have vanished in yeah. a sea of of shit. Like, this would have just been like a direct to Netflix or Hulu. Yeah. Like, I feel like really, this could have gotten relegated into that territory. But it would be one that people would be like, "This should have been in theaters." Right, exactly. But I feel like I, I don't know. I feel like enough people are kind of rabble rousing in favor of like trying to get rom coms back out there. Maybe we'll start seeing a resurgence of those. I mean, that's what's fun about this is um, it feels kind of like a like a 30s movie you know in this way that right. i mean so the the log line here is when a secretary's idea is stolen by her boss she seizes a, seizes an opportunity to steal it back by pretending she has her boss's job mm. um and it, it is very like woman of the year or screwball comedy in that way that it's it's like um like hijinks a, yeah like comedy of errors mm-hmm. farcical at times i don't yeah. know it's fun yeah it's fun yeah while still um being really grounded in character though like i i did i didn't expect to care about her and i did yeah you know what i mean yeah like, this I, is a good role for melanie griffith oh my god so good yeah um so yeah a quick rundown of the cast we have melanie griffith harrison ford Gorney weaver joan cusack who is fucking mm-hmm. great mm-hmm. uh alec baldwin kevin spacey woof, mm-hmm. uh oliver platt and philip bosco who was Oren trask mm. uh, whatever uh what did you think coming away from it like when you when the credits rolled like yeah so it's a fun movie i feel like and i did see there they're gonna there's talks of it getting remade or rebooted 
Um, I saw that. Yeah. And I don't know. I was kind of thinking I, I was charmed by Sigourney Weaver, although she was supposed to be kind of an obvious antagonist, mm-hmm. you know, a little bit of a villain. Right. But there was also a part of me that was like, and I feel I felt in a similar way that I felt about Devil Wears Prada. I'm like, why can't they just be friends? Well, yeah, I think that's actually a like. <laughs> I didn't care as you know. I honestly, I didn't care as much about the romance stuff. I'm being right. honest. No, I cared no. more about about the, making the deal. I, I well, I like. I just I liked the dynamic of of Melanie and uh, and Sigourney Weaver's characters, and mm-hmm. there was a part of me that was like, I feel like there could be something fun about this being like. I don't know. I hate to love you, love to hate you kind of like push pull dynamic. Like mm-hmm. I could I could watch I could watch the two of them continue for I don't know. I think I just I just really like Sigourney Weaver is what it is. Yeah, I mean I wanted them to be friends. No, I think like what you're what you're responding to is also what I'm responding to a little bit or maybe noticing, which is it's still kind of women are adversarial. Mm-hmm. Like I mean unless it's the best friend and Although Sigourney Weaver's really funny in her like villainy at times and her like her arrogance, you know, the yeah. I am after all me. <laughs> yeah, like that was a great line. But at the same time, you know, it's like, wait, I mean, the way they set her up, it, it is ambiguous, I think. Uh-huh. Like you're not sure. And then they have to set up all these things to show, no, she really stole the idea and like in principle, right. like she's done something wrong and it doesn't matter. But at the end, you know, that boardroom, it's like, oh, there's only room for one woman in here. Right. You know, and uh, that felt kind of like, yeah, I didn't like them. I, sure. didn't, I didn't love them being pit against each other right, when like, the ruse was over, you know. Like I, I get how it was like important at, of its fourth of time and it I'm doing, work. And, you know I'm being very like 2022 20, nitpicky about that dynamic are. or whatever it's more so just honestly that's the piece that just doesn't age well I think. it's it's less yeah I mean I think there's the 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 political correctness factor aside I just I just really like Sigourney Weaver she's, she's just so like she's just so watchable in this and not that Melanie Griffith is not very fun and strong and apt for this role but I, I don't know. I, I, I found the arrogance charming. I know. I hear me. you. No, Sigourney Weaver's a real delight in this. Yeah. You're, you're definitely, you're right about that. At every turn, like she's just in control of the scene and the moment. I mean, like she never lets up. Even when she's like in traction, you right. know, with her leg in the air, she's still completely in control of the room. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, you know, trying to seduce somebody in a, while you're in like legs in a cast. I mean, like the confidence. I, I mean, she's just so like... Uh, she uses a fair. She, I thought the the argument she tries to make when she she wants to be proposed to is pretty funny though. In that in the scene between her and Harrison it's Ford, so, she's, I'm hearing a TikTok TikTok. Oh, oh man, that's a boner killer. Don't, yeah. don't be saying that shit. I did think the way she talks about the impending engagement to um, so Melanie plays Tess McGill and Sigourney Weaver plays Catherine Parker. So when Catherine is talking to Tess about you know, oh, no, I'm expecting an offer. I mean, she talks mm-hmm. about it in such business-like terms. It's the right time. I expect a, a, an attractive offer to be made. Like, right. it just, um, she's 100%. And then, like, you know, we get a window into her arrogance a little bit um, as soon as, well, once she she breaks her leg skiing and she's laid up in, you know, wherever that is, somewhere in the Alps in Europe. And so now, you know, she's asked Tess to go to her house and like, just go check on my shit. And it's like, once you're inside this woman's house, it's like, we, f- I feel like we learned so much about her. Right. I mean, down to those like Warhol paintings of herself. Yeah. Like, oh my God. But it's so pristine and 
the exercise bike. I love all the like and Tess just kind of going in there. It's like putting on big sister's clothes or, mm-hmm. you know, like it the way she's kind of trying it all on. It, yeah. It's such a really I don't know. There's something kind of fun about that. I felt like we were on this like little adventure with her, Absolutely. like living in somebody else's life. Yes. You know, um, yes. so I was really enjoying all that. I thought that was great. We got to talk about the hair. Yeah. <laughs> My Lord, the hair. Right. It's like a wall. And yeah, it, it's and big. It's considerably bigger than, I mean, I'm sure there were women who did that. I know that that yeah. existed. I've seen the, the, the footage, you know, but like that scene when they're coming off the ferry at the very beginning, those two are so teased up. Yes. It's it's just something to behold. That's what's it's it's you know they want to be taken seriously and then simultaneously and I'm like in that time is that was that a th- I mean I know that was like a fashionable thing. Yes, it was a very 80s tropey thing with the big hair and whatever, but, but I think like, it was like a like a lower I don't mean to, 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 to it's it, in the it movie it's like signifying yeah, yeah, signifying the lower class yeah. status. And that's a lot like there is a lot of class stuff going on in this mm-hmm. and those clothes, I, I heard I heard the costume designer talking about how she actually went and purchased clothing from the kinds of shops that would be open, you know, mm-hmm. somebody might be able to go to during their lunch hour. Right. And there is this kind of floppy tie, shoulder pads, like women dressing yeah. in this business. It was like kind of like, we went really casual, like I feel like mid 90s or late 90s. I feel like casual came more into the workplace like I can remember as a kid my dad used to leave for work in a suit right but by the time I was like in middle school high school it was like he could wear whatever he wanted really you know like anytime um the office culture has changed so much since the 80s but it does look like it hasn't changed much since like the 30s or 40s or 50s like it's amazing how this still this feels so period Mm -hmm. you know and not just because of the hair (laughs) right um but I, I, maybe people have heard this. I feel like I had heard this before. This might have been the only thing I knew about this movie really before was that the screenwriter was in New York and he witnessed just a sea of women in Manhattan who were dressed in this business attire but wearing sneakers and socks. Which I think that's still a thing, right? For commuting oh, right. You know, you change, in New York. You, that, yeah. That's but just that, that it was in that time when that wasn't at all fashionable. Like sneakers with that now is like, oh, it's kooky. And, or, you know, you're, you're oh, very, sure. it could be very fashionable. But at that time it was like. Or at least you're commuting in that and then changing yeah, the shoes. Just like she does. Right. She comes to work. First thing she does is take those off and put on her high heels. But right. it was just something he witnessed. And I think it, it's interesting that um, like that was the source or the, mm-hmm. or the, the, the fountainhead for this. Um, mm-hmm. Man, what else? I I like the scene where they realize uh, she and her best friend realize sin, <laughs> realize that the dress she's holding is six thousand dollars. Wild, like, just like I gotta sit down. Yeah. <laughs> like I like how sh- how upset they are. Yeah. about that. It's it, it would be upsetting today, and with inflation, I know that that's more now. You know, so. it's still yeah. I mean, but even even, even today, then, I'm like right. Uh, that's still like an, an ungodly amount. That's ungodly, like, for yeah, dress. like six times my rent or so. Like, mm. but also too, that makes me think in scenes like that. I'm like, what if this had been like, what if sin had been Melanie Griffiths? Right. Like, what if they had kind of swapped spots? Because there's a part of me that's like, I get why she's there as the friend, having these bigger reactions to things that are a bit more like comedic and, yeah. and and cartoonish but i almost i almost wonder if what kind of movie you know what kind of mileage they could have had in terms of it being like 
even more farcical. Yeah, I <laughs> someone hear you. as as broad of a character as that, or oh, is that yeah. I don't know, is that's hacky or whatever. That's another well, character that's just so fun to watch. She was fun, especially is, in that moment. Would it be too much of a good thing? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, well, that scene where she poses as Tess's secretary. Yeah. I mean, that's very fun. It's fun. Yeah. yeah, it did feel like this was um, it was a good window into like. I don't want to say like the old days of business. This wasn't that long ago, but there's a, that scene at the bar where Jack Trainer, played by Harrison Ford, is describing like how tired he is of the businessness etiquette. You know, like yeah. if you've, I mean, have you ever gone to like one of those networking? Have you ever tried? Yeah, to it's tedious. Those, They're horrible, it, yeah. right? I mean, like nobody likes it. it. Never goes well. Right. I tried to do that like when I first moved to Chicago, and it was just the most depressing thing I've ever been to. Why did I come here? <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. Um, yeah, I'm just a waiter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There were just moments when, like, she stepped into this role mm-hmm. where you can tell she's forgetting herself. Like, somebody's like, coffee? You know? And, yeah. and she gets up to, to go make it. Right. You know? And they're like, uh, immediately has to correct herself and, like, right. I, right. Who am I? I mean, the, the notion of imposter syndrome, right? Is this a movie about maybe fighting through that? I mean, or not that she feels, I mean, she doesn't have an imposter syndrome. I mean, if anything, it's the opposite of that, really. So I take that all back um, because I feel like she feels very legit and Mm -hmm. just is frustrated that nobody is recognizing her. And part of the reason I guess Mike Nichols was attracted to it as a director was because he felt like it was um, kind of an immigrant story. It's about somebody who comes from a different place, doesn't necessarily speak the language, doesn't wear the right clothes, you know, Um, him coming from you know, Germany as a young kid to New York, I think, like, he identified really strongly with it. I did think Joan Cusack's style looked a lot like the front man from Dead or Alive. Oh. You you spin me right around. (laughs) Yeah. Does that mean? I'm sorry. I I don't think that's mean. I think it's funny. I think, I mean, she's intentionally, you know, comic relief. I, I saw her interview. She said something about that the hair and makeup were just they just transformed you know so fun. like now i i don't i barely have to act now i wonder if like they did they have to wear extensions in their already hair i'm wondering did they, was question. that melanie griffith oh, i'd like to think mane. that her hair was already short, short and they just put like an extent because that I was looking at that hair it was ratty and then, yeah it just looked really fr- and i'm like oh i guess that's apt that it would be pretty fried yeah but also yeah it, it was, was definitely the intention the haircut was was a relief oh god and and good like yeah. she had almost like kind of Princess Diana hair sometimes, yeah. like but a little wilder. It was cool, um, and I liked seeing her. Like again, it, it's this sounds so uh, obvious, but I read somewhere that the screenwriter was like, "Well, maybe the quote unquote the trick of this is like not to write her as a woman, but write her as a character. Yeah. Go figure, right? Like write a woman as a human. Yeah, um, like I care about her progress. Right, like, I care about." seeing her like her turning down her boyfriend who like fucks somebody else and then three days later is like proposing to her in front of all their friends and family and she's like you want another answer like ask another girl like I mean it's a really satisfying moment that she doesn't she doesn't cave to the pressure and she's like no like I know what I want and it's not this like Mm -hmm. um and I just yeah I felt really invested in seeing her succeed and I feel like that's probably a sign of a good movie right i don't know we were talking briefly about it earlier the wedding scene mm-hmm. so much fun absolutely um for all kinds of reasons um for one thing harrison ford just immediately downing those two big tropical drinks yeah. also like the whole wedding was cayman island themed or bahama themed or something yeah which clearly in 88 maybe that was like you know, in New York, sure, somebody tried that crazy thing. But I feel like that wasn't... Everyone does crazy weddings now, but I feel like that wasn't 
like they were treating it like it was very not normal or yeah. or it was like kind of nouveau riche or like it was this trend yeah this like high society new york thing it's very over the top over oh, really so, ornate oh yeah. yeah but cheap and kind of tacky at the yeah. same time but there are these enormous like polynesian drinks that he's handed and you think one's going to be for him and one will be for her but yeah no, watch him drain one and then move on to the other and it's, it's a wordless scene like yeah it, or, except for the fact that the women around him are like oh he's so cute who's he like he's constantly treated like a piece of meat in this movie yeah i mean and it's interesting too because uh, for all the, all the girl power of, of surrounding this movie's themes like and, and i noticed this in a lot of the reviews i was seeing too just um he really pulls so much attention and that's of such a big takeaway is wow he does he gets so so much done with so little like he's so naturally funny it's because i think there are so many sort of broad caricatures Mm. happening all around and so many of the other characters are so heightened and Mm -hmm. his seems extremely grounded in comparison Mm -hmm. and then when these silly things happen they are this sort of they're in an understated kind of way and it's these same kinds of moments that are so iconic in like indiana jones and in star wars and what have you like it you know he he stands out by by sitting back a little yes yeah no you're completely right and it's so funny i you know i i don't think i saw an interview with him which where he described this as like he felt like this was his really first true comedy like Mm -hmm. that he's done but it's funny you just referenced two movies where i do remember him being very funny and Mm -hmm. right and maybe you know you can attribute that to writing but it seems like he was really eager to play this and he's, and he's playing a straight man I mean I mean, I think he's just he does things very naturalistically mm-hmm. you know and I think about like other examples where this this works so well like you know it's like in uh, mm-hmm. A New Hope and he's he's like everything's our favorite time. How, how are you you know like yeah. it's a very natural mm-hmm. reaction just yeah. like everything that's happening in right. the working girl it's a natural reaction yeah. you know to being thrown into this wedding and yeah. you know, he's like oh, don't tell me you don't remember me Bitsy. <laughs> right. No, and I, great. I like his hesitation at first. Like yeah. They, they go to, they crash this wedding so they can meet this guy and try to make this deal, you know? Mm-hmm. And it, it's kind of genius. I mean, she's really the one who's confident in it. But once he sees how successful she's kind of making, she's like, oh, she's making this work. Like, yeah. she's now dancing. You know, they figure out a way to, like, get her to dance with the guy that they're trying to pitch to. And to do that, they have to s- split him up from, you know, one of these other wedding guests who's part of the wedding party. But, yeah, there's this whole, mm-hmm. like, moment of, you know, like, oh, remind me, who is that dancing? Elizabeth. Oh, yeah. okay. Uh, Liz, Betty, you know, yeah. Bitsy. 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 <laughs> he just pulls her away, like, yeah. uses her. her and it, it's just amazing. Like, it's just such a smart... Um, it, is, it, it felt like a little bit like a paper moon moment. It was, mm-hmm. it was a little bit con artist. I liked it. I don't know. I thought that whole scene was very fun and it's quick because the game is up pretty quickly. Like people are starting to realize like mm-hmm. no one knows these people. What are they doing? Like yeah. we got to move. So uh, I don't know. I, the whole film moves really well and quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, I read that, you know, the Mike Nichols got involved Um he kind of spent some time with the screenwriter, which the screenwriter described as it's like it's partly working with a great director, but it's also kind of almost like working with a therapist mm-hmm. because he pulls all this stuff out of you. Yes, you like, so why did you write this? And like, you know, what does this part mean to you? And then beyond that, they take that script and then they go with the actors and they all get together and they work out anything, anything that seems murky, you know, it's like, is this yeah. motivation murky? Let, like, let's figure that out. Let's like, and I think it's so interesting that he is such a collaborative approach and people, you know, we 
it, to call this a Mike Nichols film is really not accurate, you know? Mm. I mean, it is in the sense that he was the creative lead, but he relies so much on the input of all these other people. And um, I just, I think like it just, it's great to see a movie that does that. And mm. I know we talked about this movie uh, when we were talking about Postcards from the Edge and we were talking about this movie like, oh, this was really hard or whatever for Mike. And maybe it was. Um, and I, I was kind of incorrect earlier. I had said something about how Melanie Griffith, um, she was fined by the studio for showing up intoxicated on set. Mm-hmm. Um, she was dealing with cocaine addiction. But uh, it turns out, actually, the studio wasn't aware of it at the time. She showed up. Mike saw the condition she was in, basically like sent everyone home for the day. And then the next morning, he took her out to breakfast and said something to the effect of, okay, you're gonna, you're gonna pay for yesterday. Like yeah. you're gonna pay for that, but we're gonna we're gonna keep moving. We're gonna keep going. Like it, basically, it was really humbling. It like grounded her. It kind of put her in a place. And she actually like really thanks him, not just for that, but for the whole film because it really changed her life. Absolutely, because she was just seen as kind of this like wild child. I can only imagine too the kind of the kind of um, pressure and anxiety. You know, you're trying to break out of this preconceived notion people have of you, and and the, the you're you're just this object, sex pot type character, and if, if people already have these lower expectations and they're projecting them onto you, and you internalize that, and then and you have addictive tendencies and whatnot. Like I think about like as reading an article from the guardian that's like a retrospective 30 years later Mm. about this movie talking about how melanie like flew from london and they they, the producers didn't even want to see her for this role for tess and she she fought for it totally and so to see that there was that struggle you know Mm -hmm. uh, the whole way through i mean it's uh, it's kind of telling she was was the the character. character yeah yeah totally it's so interesting to think about how the studio was not, she's not a, not an yeah. unknown, but not big enough, not a star. Yeah. Like or just the, the, yeah, she's, she's just the, the sexy bimbo yeah. uh, typecast role. Mm-hmm. That there right. was no more depth there. And they were also upset because I guess initially the part Harrison Ford was playing, you know, they wanted Harrison Ford, but the studio was like, we can't afford him. He was like the biggest star in the world at that moment mm-hmm. because of, well, Indiana Jones and Star Wars. You right. know, he was he would have been expensive. Uh, and so they're like, OK, that's fine. And they that they wanted to work with Alec Baldwin, who at that time was definitely unknown. He was supposed to play the part of uh, Jack Trainer, mm-hmm. And then the studio was like, wait, what? You're going to have two unknowns? Like, was this before or after Glengarry Glenn? It must have been before then. Huh? It must have been before. Interesting. Yeah. This was 88. Um, and yeah, I know it's crazy because it's yeah. like you see him in things and you just assume, oh, he was famous, you know. Uh, yeah. But no, he really wasn't. And, you know, he was given the part of her, you know, shitty boyfriend in this uh-huh. when they the studio did come through with Harrison Ford. And, you know, that probably wasn't like the easiest pill to swallow, you mm. know, but he did it and he... I don't know. Alec Baldwin's a mess today, but it's nice to think that at one time maybe he wasn't. Well, he was, you know, he 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 had a he had a he had a quality. He had his his heyday with the I think yes. Be- was Beetlejuice. Oh, probably yeah. after this, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, Love Beetlejuice, and then and then Glengarry Glen Ross, yeah. which is like you know notoriously like he, oh. he got a, a nomination for. About, about as little screen time as Judy Dench has in yeah. Shakespeare in Love. Yeah, you know, very little. Yeah, yeah. yeah but totally. it's, it's, the the impact. Yeah, no, that's. You know? uh, I think Gloria Graham was like similarly like she won an Oscar for like I think it was a total of six minutes or something right. screen time. You know, efficient. Indeed, um, man. Uh, Plays a schmuck. So does Kevin Spacey. Yeah, 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. In the Which, like, you know, Oliver Platt and, and the like. Yeah. I don't think there are any. There aren't really any any like. There's not very many good guys. No. <laughs> like they're deliberately painted to they be are. So shitty. That, so that Jack seems better by comparison. Although, right. like, we're left wondering for a little while. Like, did he? Oh, he's not a rapist. Good. You know, yeah. like it's like okay, they really dangled that one around for a while. Yeah. Um. But I don't know. He was. Yeah. I think they needed. She needed to be surrounded by horrible men for him to shine as much as he did. And you know what's funny? At the very beginning of the movie, when uh, Catherine's talking about, like, he's going to make an offer. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I was like, okay, this is obviously this is going to be Harrison Ford's character. You know, this is all going to tie together. But then the movie went on for so long. And I was like. Oh, maybe it's not a love triangle. I was like, I literally was writing down, I'm glad this wasn't a love triangle story. And then he's like making love to her and the phone call happens. Damn it. And I had to write like, or is it? (laughs) And so that was slightly disappointing. And again, that's my, my, I think, 21st century eyes looking at it. Like, I I think that's me being dissatisfied at like women being pitted against each other in this way. And that ultimately... Yeah, it's about making the deal, but the dude is like the is the one that's really going to keep her safe, right? Because she's sure. going to lose her job, sure. or you know, I don't know, whatever. Maybe not. Well, she doesn't. That's she also, gets the good job. At the I end. think some of the logistics are just funny to me. That like he didn't pick up that he was that that test was in his girlfriend's office, or like I know that's, some of the, some of the clothes yeah, or anything like that. I don't know. Yeah, there's a few. There's, there's a, a few like, questions. Let, let that stuff go. And I don't. You know, I'm, no, I'm, I'm just. No, no. I'm always on the podcast complaining about like <laughs> you know little nitpicky bullshit like that. No, but uh, but I do think that's funny that it's it is the sort of I, I, maybe he's just so he's so taken by Tess. I guess he's not even I'll realizing like, oh this is the same exact route I take to visit my girlfriend in her I know office. it's like I'm just oh, it, it's interesting. Con- it, confu- like, it confused me so much that, yeah that he had so little knowledge of of all of I guess of, of all of that it's yeah. so crazy my girlfriend has like this exact same office yeah I don't know I guess that you know they, they weren't I guess that's to emphasize how close they really weren't actually yes that's kind of what i thought too was like oh i guess they're not tight yeah they're really not like it's very maybe business-like maybe he's never maybe he like is like oh i know you work in the same you work for the same firm maybe is what yeah but you know and the same office could you could work in the same office and not know somebody right but you know yeah the fact that the fact that he doesn't know where mm, whatever yeah um Almost everything was shot in New York City, mm-hmm. with the exception of the skiing scene, and that was like Jersey or something. Which <laughs> half a day of shooting, what fun! You mm-hmm. know, uh, what does she say? Something about like getting what you deserve right. <laughs> right before she goes careening off a hill. That was fun. I guess there was some kind of. Uh, <laughs> I should have looked into this more, but Wall Street at that time, a lot of firms were folding, and there was essentially just a lot of open office space. So all of the sort of base camp and dressing rooms were all in office buildings around um which i just think that's interesting like i think that yeah. would contribute to the whole mindset you know if you're preparing um uh the scenes in staten island were shot in new brighton uh everything downtown or in manhattan was shot one was shot at building seven of the world trade center the one mm-hmm. that that's the one that went down with the secrets oh it's 9 11 today by the way I wasn't even thinking about that but yeah but, all right well this will come out tomorrow it's fine <laughs> um the reading floor of the lf L.F. Rothschild building. That's tough to say. 
one Chase Manhattan Plaza and then the Staten Island Ferry. And the moment they stepped off at the beginning was actually an illegal shot. Mm. Uh, they had to do it sort of surreptitiously. It kind of makes it really natural because, you know, it, no one knew the camera was there. No one knew the crew was there. And and I guess before they got off, the, the ferry mic just told them, think about just think about your day. Think about what the day ahead looks like for you, because that's what people think about when they're about ready to get off somewhere. Right. right. You know, and it just I don't know. They were describing just what great direction he really had. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's part of why I think we're looking at this one. You know, I do want to point out that uh, the topless vacuuming scene was Melanie Griffith's idea. Mm-hmm. Nobody. Nobody forced her into that. And she defended it later. The whole scene, you know, she's trying to clean up before the boss gets home. And, right. You know, she said originally it had me in a slip, a bra and panties, but I just felt like that's not how I would have, you know, how yeah. we did it. And, you know, it's funny, like cleaning in your underwear is actually like, I've, I know like people who've done that. I've done yeah. that. Like it was just like a really funny moment too. And I like that it's like, a, it's a wide shot. You know, it's mm-hmm. not like super exploitative. Like it's yeah. really... I mean, as tasteful as that can be, I think it was. Right. Like, um, but I just wanted to throw that out there. I also, maybe you saw this, Harrison Ford, when he was interviewed about this, he said he was attracted to it because, frankly, um, and I think he maybe he was thinking about Indiana Jones, but he's like, there were other people to carry the load. Like, mm-hmm. there's other people really doing a lot of the work in the scenes. Right. Um, but he said, I essentially, and I don't think he meant this shitty because he followed it up with, with more. But initially, he's like, well, I have what amounts to the girl's part. Like, yeah. Saying, no, but that, so he's right. Yeah, because he's the love interest. Right. And he's there to support her. It's, it's not his story. But he said, you know, that was part of, again, what attracted him to it. That and it was comedy and that mm-hmm. he was going to work with other great people. He was going to work with Mike Nichols. Like, it yeah. wasn't a hard sell for him, I guess. Um I also, (laughs) this was something I learned that I I didn't notice in the movie, but you know, when Catherine comes back, you know, and she's, she's still broken leg, but she's back in New York and she arrives on that New York City helipad that it's the only one, right? Everything ever is shot there. If you ever see someone in succession or any of those shows taking off, it's from the same helipad, Mm. but she gets out and she's wearing all white and she's carrying a gorilla. And I guess that was supposed to be a gag, like it's an inversion of King Kong mm. and Fay Ray being carried in up a Manhattan oh, skyscraper. Interesting. Yeah, I did not yeah. get it at all, though. I totally missed I to- that. I wouldn't have picked up on that until you told me. But That's apparently, funny. it was like Mike was ins- Mike Nichols was insistent. We're doing it. Yeah. Um, Who's the real monster? I really. <laughs> uh, it's just a great little, girl boss. It's a great gag. Um, this uh, had a budget of $28 million. It grossed $102 million, so it did pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, six Oscar noms and one Oscar win for a Best Original Song or whatever yeah. by Carly Simon. Uh, what is it? The, like, Let the River Run? Yeah. I really hated the music. You didn't like? You didn't think I, it was inspiring? No. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm sorry, but I hated this. And I feel I felt bad until I read Carly Simon. I was like, yeah, I was a little on the nose. I mean, it it it, it inspired the opening it. credits to uh, the the sitcom, or at least I think I don't know how many episodes they did. At least a pilot with Sandra Bullock. I read about that. Right? I read yeah, about that. that. that I, I thought it was funny because that was on YouTube. You could find more footage oh, really? of that than you could of the movie when I was trying to revisit scenes. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. That, yeah. That's like a. I found that interesting. Maybe you could do a, like a little spinoff episode about you know maybe the bad because remember we had midnight run was also like oh right made into some bad tv movies. Yeah, yeah yeah maybe we don't need to subject ourselves to watching it but 
I don't know. I'm going to think on that. I'm going to think about that. that. You're like, "Mm, let's not make more work. I can also just move on with my life. (laughs) But good Um, for her. She got an Oscar. She did. And I heard a funny story about how uh, she had it. Awards were over. Everyone's Mm -hmm. leaving. And she was sitting on the steps outside with her Oscar because her ride hadn't shown up yet. Mm -hmm. And it's like. That's funny. Just like this woman in all her glory but doesn't have a ride, yeah. you know? And I don't know, I'm like, that's so real. <laughs> I don't know, there's something great about that. What, you did a little, yes. you did some homework. I got, got some uh, reviews here. I would love Can, to hear uh, about that. I wanted to start with the big, the big guy. The big guy. The big guy, Roger Ebert. And he says, you know, the plot of Working Girl is put together like clockwork. It carries you along while you're watching it, but reconstruct it later and you'll see the craftsmanship. Kevin Wade's screenplay is sort of underhanded in the way it diverts us with laughs and with a melodramatic subplot involving Griffith's former boyfriend, while all the time uh, it's winding up for the suspenseful climax. And then it's, he talks about how it is kind of like a suspense thriller towards the end the whole race to the elevator and she took my idea it's true yeah um so kind of just i noticed that too watching it how this is kind of just fun and silly and then like that that last like 10 minutes of the movie it just ramps up like real turn really really quick about face towards it i almost was like is anything is Sigourney Weaver she's gonna find out at some point right and it's like almost towards the very end of the movie it all kind of erupts at once yeah. um, you know this? the liar reveal and the double cross and then the double double cross and then the, oh you d- you missed one key thing and then all of a sudden the big <laughs> boss being some good guy this is not Rodri but this is Chelsea um, <laughs> all, all of a sudden the big the, the big boss guy you know is like how did you come up with that idea because suddenly integrity of business is <laughs> Is really important. Uh-huh, like, yeah. This point, he's surrounded by dudes, that, including himself, who probably did, you know, very things Under that would handed. make Logan Roy b- blush. And then, but we're gonna we're gonna give this we're gonna give this woman a hard time when she's yeah. she says it's business, and she's not yeah. wrong. And she's gonna, not wrong. Let's stress test the hell out of this. One. Yeah, I uh, found that funny. Um, but also, let's see here. I do have on Rotten Tomatoes. It has an eighty-five percent uh, from critics. Has a sixty-seven percent audience score interestingly um it's 46 reviews from critics versus 25,000 plus ratings so um i think both those scores are a little low it's it's, it's interesting you know i was i thought it was pretty good it was it was pretty fun i'm not not, i'm not totally taken by it but i mean i again you know it's not it's not I mean, maybe it is yeah maybe that it's is. i don't want you to to, to have to like re-examine <laughs> well, your enthusiasm I, for the movie just because i'm a little i'm a little like pissant about most of the i mean <laughs> most I, of the movies i think i could watch melanie griffith again i think it's really yeah. it i'm just like i yeah i really liked her character yeah no she's fun to she's she's engaging to watch and yeah. um, i will say as far as other reviews go, um, a lot of them are, are are dumping a lot of credit into Harrison Ford's lap, though. Interesting. There's a, quite a bit of emphasis on, on his abilities. Although, I do want to read one funny Google review okay. that I really liked from this woman, um, Donna Gottschall, who gave it a five out of five stars. Okay. And she, but she goes, this movie has always been a favorite of mine. I could do with a little less of Melanie Griffith's backside. But her performance overall was charming, and you find yourself really rooting for her. Um, but I did find that whole, like, oh, I didn't, I didn't really care for her, for her backside. Yeah. Um, and then, 
Let's see here. Some she, had blurbs. A, she had a lot of lingerie. It's true. There was a lot of black, right. black underwear, but it was. No, I, I just thought it was funny because I could hmm. see from the woman's picture and just being profiling and shitty. <laughs> it seems she, her, she's a little older than I think some mm-hmm. of the other reviews here that I'm. That I that I I mostly, was like, especially on Letterboxd, a oh, lot of people because yeah. everybody's trying to write a joke. It's not necessarily about you it's know. It's not an earnest place necessarily. Yeah, yeah. So it's most. More I feel embarrassed if I write an jokey earnest thing. I'm like, oh, was but, I drunk? <laughs> <laughs> it's also it's almost gauche to be earnest. Oh, yeah, on, on Letterboxd, or it's it's, like, it's cringe to be earnest. Yeah. these days, mm-hmm. um, though we're starved for it. Uh, <laughs> let's see here. A couple of the ones that a few of the ones that I. I snapped those. Uh, Mike Ginn, three stars on Letterboxd. Hero. Kevin Spacey is very believable as the Coke Dot Predator. Um, <laughs> and then this Amen. guy, Keith, I didn't get his at, unfortunately, but uh, he, wrote, he goes to three stars, which I think this is, this seems kind of astute for what maybe that that Rotten Tomatoes score is okay. is akin to. It's, I think this passed for progressive back in the day. Mm. Kitschy and cute and entertainingly cast. Only two people he mentions are Alec Baldwin and Harrison Ford in this. Mm. Alec Baldwin is delicious as a scumbag boyfriend, while Harrison Ford is gallant as a Wall Street lawyer who likes to get his women blackout drunk, but scores points by choosing not to rape them. Parentheses progressive. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, there's like, no, some that's of these, fair. These, these critical No, those are all legitimate. People have Let's see. I wanted to also read Kathy Mao from The Sojourner, um, one, one of the few mm. like rotten blob reviews that I saw, <laughs> mostly ripe tomatoes. But she said, and I was trying to get access to the full review, but it was uh, on JSTOR. And I, oh, anyway, yeah, there's no. like there's some website you can hack through those. And I just was being lazy. But I got this blurb <laughs> and it says some would call that a happy ending. I'm not one of them. <laughs> so many, so many things I, I would like to unpack there. But Hillary Mattel from The Spectator said, Mike Nichols' comedy is frothy, fast-moving, and impeccably put together. Mm. So, you know, overall, reviews are fairly positive. I did get yeah. a super reviewer, Rotten Tomato review. I was trying to find more women's reviews because there's a lot, of, a lot of dudes. Always. Um, <laughs> so... Not not that their opinions are invalid, but it's no, you know, no, no. I but to see you know, I lady reviews. I mean, I heard this on another podcast, but they said of Jane Campion, uh-huh. like in describing like the experience of releasing a film and then having to deal with the critics that it she described it as like it's a wall of tweed. One has to yes. has to escalate. She's over. not wrong. And I'm like, damn, that yeah. is exactly it. Except now it's like tweed and you know athleisure because it's every asshole sure. at home who has a twitch account like yeah. talking about cinema sense. what are the what are the dudes wearing that's athleisure um but <laughs> but alice super reviewer alice s wrote she gave it a three out of five stars again i think that's kind of where people seem to be falling on this in like a more modern lens of oh, reviews that's, that's fair um she wrote i'm sure this oscar-winning mike nichols film about a capable woman forced to while her way up the corporate ladder was quite groundbreaking for its time mm. but the big bouffant hairdos the office full of secretaries and the crash Joyzy accent. She wrote Joyzy. Joyzy. Um, just date this movie too much. Interesting. Mm. Um, I didn't hate that. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think that's what's fun about it. She also, she also, Staten uh, Island, baby. She, she said, I could see, I could also see the big three-way twist coming from a mile away. Furthermore, Carly Simon's melodramatic, gospel-inspired, Oscar-winning song "Let the River Run" with all its talk about sons and daughters and New Jerusalem <laughs> seems <laughs> seems more fitting for a Merchant Ivory movie about a diaspora born of. <laughs> religious persecution or something rather than professional and romantic hijinks. I just really like the way this review that, is written. Alice, Alice did a really good job. Very um, good. Yeah, that was... With with pointing out some criticisms in a concise way, but also while also giving credit to... The, the description of the music works. right there, 
Couldn't have said it better. I, f- I figured you would you would yeah, like that. I needed that. Um, Thank you. And I have a bunch of I have a bunch of the that I took a good. screenshot of a bunch of the positive tomato reviews. It was mostly dudes, and then there's a bunch on Letterbox. I took a screenshot, and I'm not even going to go through, but it's mm. it's a lot of just like oh Harrison Ford can get in Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford. Just like okay, that's wow. fine. Those, not, those are fine. God, it'd but, be great if you could take like a screen cap video of you just scrolling like, through. Yeah, I just it's fine. Ford. No, yeah. and it's, but again, it, it, it's a testament to you know for better or worse how how he was a big star he well it's yeah but also and also too again i think what we were saying about like how these other characters do feel so heightened that mm-hmm. even this guy who whose actions still don't date super well no. um he's he's the he, he really does come off uh even more grounded than i'd say melanie i think melanie some of her stuff comes off a little her her yeah. tess's stuff is a little it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. But good for her. Like, you know, it's she, fun to see her step out of her skin. You know, she forgets herself, like you said. Yeah. Uh, but I guess I guess I'm saying in the opposite way. And so she sometimes she she's she's so she's internalized the secretary stuff so much she forgets she's she's mm-hmm. trying to cosplay as this other thing. Yeah. You know. Yes, yes. And then sometimes she gets so lost in that yes. that she she you know when she says that I've got the 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 oh. bot for sin you know the the that head line. for business and a bot, bot for, for sin. sin. And then he's like, that's a like pretty, is there a problem with that? There, that's like, a, that, no. you know, that line, that felt a little like, uh, it's a lot. The, that's like, it's a trailer line. That, yes. Yeah. But also, I'm like, that's kind of like Cronenberg and the, uh, Deborah Harry asking, you know, oh, sure. Do you need porn? Yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like that's the equivalent. Like, it's a lot. It's funny, though. It's like, I like that, you know, you just lay your cards out. And I guess so. It just, it was like, damn, that, Oh, that antihistamine uh, just, I, I booze wanna, combo really hit. I really want to blame it on that. It's it's just she's it's funny. Uh, I I mean it's a funny moment, but it's I'm also like it's funny. It's like it's I'm laughing because it's camp. Yes, because other, it is. But if, that's what if I'm is. trying to watch this with the sort of like oh this is like Oscar potent like yeah. so you know I I see where there's this push pull about the bigger question of like yeah. when when. And how will rom coms have their mainstream comeback? That yeah. that I I notice people bring up, you know, at least on, you know, in the Twitter bubble, yeah. it's Twitter film sphere. But yeah. in what capacity? Because it's so easy to to criticize. It, you know, it's easy to look oh, at the way, like the Alice Watt review in particular. I, yeah. I screenshot was. I think it really hits the nail on the head about some of these things. That yeah. like it can be a little distracting. What? How? How do you navigate? through mm-hmm. things that are cliches that are comforting you want to watch them in some ways you yeah. want to watch some of the you want to watch people come together and and but how how much of that are we then gonna have to from a critical lens look through and be like oh that, that's no i know i know like i debate this kind of thing in my head with myself when the one can the girls get you know i'm making fun of myself and why can the girls get along more and then also i'm realizing as i said that i'm like this is not so much a why can't the girls get along thing i'm like all right there's a, there's a classified here there you is. know it's more about class it than is, it is about the gender i think women. It is, it, it's both they have less in common because you know I think in this world she's it's definitely big, it's a privilege. I, I think it's way more about class. Yeah, I thank you for looking oh, into sure. this. That was cool. I, just thought, um, I was. I don't I was know. Trying to be discerning because a lot of people were saying the same stuff. Oh yeah, and that's and then and like, even that thing that you that you sent me and I really oh, liked Harrison at, Ford was like it was the, all they don't mention Melanie Griffith or Sigourney Weaver at all. 
for about 12 paragraphs, I want to say. Holy crap. Um, it's not until like the third out of, I like, mean, it's not, uh, it's out not of from like a great three paper. and a half columns. No, but it was funny. Like, yeah. it's, you know, and there it's, it's not that it's like, I mean, well, it, it, I, it was, it at was, at first I was just going to send you the yeah. article, but then I realized the whole page had the movie listings. So yeah. it was really fun to see what was playing in theaters. A lot of buddy together. comedy, silly yeah, stuff. Yeah, there was The Naked Gun. Right. Uh, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Twins. Twins. Rain Man. Rain Man. Um, Dangerous Liaisons. That movie slaps. I love uh, Mississippi Burning. Mississippi. <laughs> oh, but then also, what's mm. the one that that I that I? Do you still have the picture? You could probably list way more um, than that because I don't have any more. <laughs> uh, uh, no worries. Uh, my stepmother is an alien. Yes. I want to know about that. Why aren't we talking about that? That might be on the list now. <laughs> oh man. I'm gonna write that one down. Unless that was like a play, it looked like it was a movie with screening times, though. A real <laughs> breakdown on that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's cool. That's my that was the homework I brought. No, I love it. Cool. That was thank you. Yes. Uh, no, it's really it. It's interesting. Yeah, the way it's like right. We can say like, well, you know, Iris and Poe is just a big star, but it's like it is. There's a conspicuous lack of credit. Yeah. And yeah, it, it's really. That's a shame because after, like Melanie Griffith said of this role, she said, I won the Golden Globe, uh, but she said, I I never stopped working after that until I wanted to stop working. And mm-hmm. she credits Mike Nichols for changing her life. And just, so this, this movie changed at least one woman's life. And, you know, it's funny what we were saying earlier about like, like a question I had at the end of the movie was, was like, is this a fantasy? You know, mm. like even then, or... Is there something okay with that? Like what you were saying about the comfort, you know? Like I've been yeah. in, I've been watching a lot of Mary Tyler Moore lately, yeah. And it's such a comforting, warm blanket of a show. Um, not that it steers away from negativity or bad things. There's there's great episodes that deal with things like depression and stuff that like nobody was talking about in the '70s. And I know it inspired a lot of women, or at least it, it normalized the idea of being single in your 30s mm-hmm. and focusing on a career. Um, and it did like a lot of people left home and went to the city. A lot of women, you know, went yeah. out on their own and felt that way. So like, I, I feel like even if it, it feels a little saccharine, even if it feels a little bit fairy tale, it's still really nice to just see a story about a woman coming up. Absolutely. Again, th- remembering the importance of looking at these films for being for what they were at the time that they were too. Yeah. Um, and again, that, that Guardian. Uh, article that I read and I'm remembering mm. the lady's first name. I didn't write it down. Her name's Amy something. Amy at the Guardian. Uh, Amy at the Guardian. She writes she, about movies. And she, in the first paragraph, uh, you know, acknowledges that in the lifespan of this protagonist, you go from what, one in one in eight housewives at all having a, a job to ha- more than half of like undergraduates being being female. female. Yeah, it's like a big they, shift. I'm paraphrasing that terribly. No, I should have taken a screenshot. But you know, it was all all, all this to say. It's a good article. Check it out. Yeah. Um, Sounds like a good piece. Yeah. And so, I mean, it it does also. The world changed a lot. The world has changed a lot. As much as you know, we like to. Yeah, nothing changes, and yet everything changes. Yes, (laughs) everything changes, so nothing changes. You know. Um, But I think uh, it's still. You know, people at the time were talking about how this felt like such a throwback to the Great Depression era, like comedies the female-led you know Mm -hmm. of the 30s and the 40s you know those fun barbara stanwick and joan crawford and um what's her name oh it's on the tip of my tongue she's the tiny little blonde one 
Veronica Lake. There you go. And Veronica Lake. Cool. Because that'll sound Was she right. tiny? Oh my gosh. She was like four foot something. Wow. I mean, just. I like I that. That was your the thing that helped you remember <laughs> the, the tiny one. The tiny one. The tiny little blonde one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like thinking they could all have been tiny. It's true. <laughs> they kind of all were. It's yeah. funny how so many actors have like big heads on these like little bodies. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just, it's the truth. It's yeah. like it photographs well. Um, since we have talked about Mike Nichols in the past, I'll just say, I'm just going to read a series of words and phrases that connected to Mike Nichols. Sure. So we could just move. Mike Nichols, German immigrant, Jewish, compass player. You just tell them, hey, they should Chicago. just listen to the podcast. They should. They should just listen to, is it postcards, right? They should we, listen to postcards. You from should the just edge. listen to postcards because it's a good yeah. episode and we give like his life story. In that, that one, I mean, so. that's true. But I like, yeah. you know, these are things that are good. Google, good to, yeah. you know, like Elaine May, Broadway, The Graduate. Yeah. If you Google any of those things, plus Mike Nichols, you'll learn anything you need. But better, uh, better than that. Yes. Chelsea's yeah. right. Listen to our episode, Postcards from the Edge, which I don't remember what number that is. Goals for next week. Uh, who is your best supporting player? I mean, I think like the obvious choice is Joan Cusack. Mm-hmm. Um who else? I, I guess I. I mean, that's my vote. The the other woman, Doreen, who's like on Alec Baldwin's lap when Melanie Griffith walks oh, in on them. Doreen. I think it's kind of funny how she just sort of like does this thing where she crumples her face a little bit, <laughs> like she like she's like genuinely kind of a, like she's like ashamed and like feels caught. And then Alec Baldwin's character is like, no, it's okay, you know, like just kind of like like he won't move, like and is keeping her on his yeah. lap. Meanwhile, she's just like shocked and embarrassed. Oh so just, she's still sitting on top of him naked, just like. <laughs> I'm just sorry. No, I no. just thought that that's a that's some act, acting right there. That's you know that's because that's that's difficult to pull off. Uh, you know, just imagining being in the okay. So you're on this guy's lap, and the guy sucks, and she's kind of like she's kind of an asshole villain mm-hmm. type character, you know. And then she gets married to Alec Baldwin. Yeah. They get married very shortly oh, yeah, after right. at the the midpoint all yeah. is lost type moment of the movie. Yeah, um, but. I think it's funny that they didn't. Uh, they could have made her even more cartoonishly like mean or shitty. Yeah, but they just kind of. Yeah, I don't know. I'm overemphasizing. No, this. no, no, no. Doreen, I, I thought it was interesting that we. I s- should know the actress's name, maybe, I but think, I don't. Well, it's okay. Yeah. I I didn't write it down either, but I think it's interesting <laughs> that like right, we see her, we meet her in the worst possible context, and then we hear her referenced once, and then she shows up again. Yeah, at that wedding scene, yeah. and it's it's kind of nice that. <laughs> It's like, I'm glad Doreen had an arc. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. She has a bit of an arc. We see her the three times. And it's kind of, it's comedic in that way. And she's That's a, right. She's kind of a, she's a running gag of sorts. Yeah. And I'm, I don't poor know. Doreen. Because, you know, we all feel bad. Good, but good for her, I guess, because she got, well, she got the, the guy. She got the guy. I guess. Yeah. But I also, I'm like, oh, but he's he's a snake. Yeah. Snake. Well. <laughs> um. Yeah. My best supporting player was also Joan Cusack. But, yeah. But I think. The it's hard to compete with that. I mean, you know, just the makeup, the earrings, the the accent, all of it. It's yeah. just she's and she's such a like a. I hate you know when when actresses get relegated to like the I'm the best friend, right? You know, and I feel like Joan Cusack has that kind of best friend energy. Sure, she actually had like a more depth in this, and you know the way that she questions but yeah. supports her friend you know i i don't know it was i thought that was like it felt real i guess i liked seeing you know yeah. if there are two women who are getting along you know 
And of course, like she's Cindy uh, or Cynthia. I can't remember which, but I think Sin. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Sort for short for Cynthia. Okay. Yeah. Like that's the first person Tess calls from the and office that she gets at the end. And, and she's happy. Very yes. charming. And that was great. She maybe doesn't give great advice, but she's still supportive. Yes. And there's And that the whole office like cheered because yeah. one of us broke through, you know. And, and she she even had given her shitty advice at one point to to yeah. stay with the, the scumbag. Yep. And you know, so and it shows that contrast of like her yeah. just having a hard time, I guess, sort of trusting. fathoming and trusting mm-hmm. you know what her her friend Tess's aspirations are you right know? so yeah. yeah yeah the like I can't I will she still... has an arc as well uh, she does there you go Every, that's what's great. I like that Tess calls her out on that too and is like yeah that was bad advice that sucked like yeah. don't t- <laughs> <laughs> do you want me to be with this guy <laughs> that's not how that's not helpful why are you telling me like it's it yeah. almost felt kind of meta because I was thinking that as Sin <laughs> was saying this stuff and I was like that's like really shitty advice. And then Tess, sure enough, is like, why are you telling me to do that? Yeah, why yeah. would you do that? It's good. It's self-aware. Yeah. There's a good amount of, of of some self-awareness in this movie that I think actually yeah. does mm-hmm. does age well. I think this was mm-hmm. pretty mature in spite oh. of the things that you could easily poke holes and in that's or the whatever. Thing. That's just it. Easily poke holes. There's yeah. plenty of little little chads we can push in. And but like, again, there's the whole argument of like the but this rom-coms like, and... Mm-hmm. and what level of it we can enjoy because this is also referred to as yeah like a cinderella story yeah you know that's right um and i think that's part of the that's mm-hmm. part of what the fun is right yes and but yeah. it, you know so it's that it can't end with her yeah. losing right like, it would just it becomes want, a different movie we want a sweet treat we want a cupcake but that's we want right. it to be a well-made cupcake that's right you know? it is and this is a well-made cupcake it's a well-made cupcake and i would eat it again there you go i, I would, <laughs> would you I eat would, this cupcake again? I, I would eat this cupcake again. i don't think i'd rush to it because again it wasn't i didn't i didn't totally fall for it but that's uh-huh. not to say that it wasn't well made that's i think okay. just for all of the for all of the criticisms we've already brought up it's it still mostly holds up you know in my view. it's still yeah i think it still mostly holds up i think mm-hmm. it's it's for the most part pretty fun i think like yeah it's like i think i think is light fair mm-hmm. you know enjoyable yeah totally yeah great i think it would be a great watch uh if you are homesick yeah and you need a little you know a little uh, little boost yeah i think i think you'll dig this there's a little bit of nudity rated yeah. r it's a yeah. rated r movie yeah. i like that we don't titty. make those anymore it's a little bit titty we don't make them anymore uh <laughs> we don't titties? see titties anymore no we definitely see titties it's just yeah. they're on tv now right uh, they're just not in the movies it's, mm-hmm. uh, thank you for listening um, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd at Fresh Movie Pod. You can also send us an email at breathoffreshmovie at gmail.com. Yeah. We don't have our own domain. That's okay. Not there yet. If you want to find me on Twitter, I'm at Criterion OOC. Awesome. I'm at Chelsea the Pope. Find us and uh, <laughs> engage in discourse. <laughs> yeah. Dude, give, give I need me, a new word for discourse. Tell disc- Victoria I, I, how to make a good iced coffee. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, write in and tell me what I'm doing wrong because my stepmother is an alien.